Well, let's get back in our study. Would you like to do that? Revelation chapter 22. Actually, stop at 21. We'll do a little bit of makeup and uh, a review as we get into last little bit. Two more lessons. This one and one more, Lord willing, and we will be uh, complete our time. And after that, we will have a Q&A session on a Sunday night and then move into our study in Daniel. So if you've got some questions, you're welcome to email them to me. Text them to me, give me a note written out, and we'll add those to our Q&A time. Last time we were together, we looked at some of the rules of this wonderful city, the New Jerusalem. We won't have contact lenses in heaven, but I just thought it was funny to think about it anyway. Some of the rules of the New Jerusalem, uh, this wonderful city that the Lord has in store for us, some of the glory and the benefits. Look at verse 22 of chapter 21. Would you do that? Let's read together. We'll just comment on it briefly. Once again, the notes that are given on Sunday night. Uh, the front side, of course, are the new notes that we'll be taking tonight. The back side are the notes from the previous time together. And they will contain this information. You can follow along there if you'd like. Verse 22, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. I saw the city... It has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and the lamb, and, and its lamp is the Lamb. The Lord uh, Christ has always been the light, and uh, God and the Lord will be physically the light in eternity. So amazing, as the Scripture has always referred to them as the light, they will indeed be the physical light as well. Verse 24, the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. So we go from the millennial reign of Christ, where saved people went into uh, this millennial reign alive uh, from the tribulation, to the eternal reign of Christ, and the kings of the earth all want to come to the new Jerusalem and bring uh, their glory, uh, the kingdom into it, the ark, the, the beauty, all those things that will occur on this new earth will continue, and they'll all want to bring them there. Verse 25, in the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. And we just said that there was unhindered access, no setting sun, full moon always there. Verse 26, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Verse 27, and nothing unclean, no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Sin, in all its hideous form, will be entirely excluded. Everyone else was judged and cast into the lake of fire. All the rebellion, all of those are gone. And so it will not be here. Look at verse 1 of chapter 22. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of the street. And so our, our view is switched a little bit now from the new Jerusalem proper to outside on the new earth. And the New Jerusalem, of course, 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. Very large city. And we're switching now to maybe an overview of the earth. And this river probably flows from the New Jerusalem out into the new earth. Uh, in the Millennial Kingdom, we know there's a river that flows from the Millennial Temple to heal the earth. Here, uh, the waters uh, will flow from uh, the New Jerusalem out. Now, it says, on the either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. So perhaps a uh, type of fruit every month, 12 months. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of nations. Uh, and it, it's interesting that you mark a time segment there. Uh, 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. 
And so it's interesting that there would be some type of time measurement, of course. Eternity uh, will be uh, captured, uh, that'll be captured inside of eternity, but I guess uh, some type of time measurement there. There's also a river that flowed out of the Garden of Eden. It formed four river heads on the earth. So when you think about this time, you know, think about, in some respects, a restored Eden, but even better because men have been perfected, not returned to innocence. And so coming through this problem of evil in the world, all the things that people have to struggle with, uh, all coming to repentance, coming to salvation, being perfected uh, through sanctification and finally glorification, uh, that will be the essence of this new earth with this Jerusalem there. God dwelling with his people, unlimited access. Look at verse 3. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. Everything we know. And I was thinking about this earlier. All of our base of knowledge, everything that we know and do are all impacted by the curse. We really don't have any other frame of reference besides that. Uh, The second law of thermodynamics finds its base of truth in the curse, doesn't it? That all things break down, all things run down, uh, wind down, fall apart. I read somewhere that 90% of the people on the earth have jobs that are connected to the fact that there's a curse and all things wind down. And that's, uh, how about yours? Is your job connected to that? Perhaps it may be. But uh, there is no curse where the throne of God and the Lamb exist. And so there won't be any curse here in this new heaven and new earth. Now look back at verse 3. And his bond servants will serve him. Verse 4. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. The scripture here is plain. The saints will assuredly see the face of the Lord. Something that has never happened before but will happen there uh, and will be part of regular life. And God will know them intimately and they will know him and do his will. Verse 5. And there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. Who is they? All the saints will reign forever and ever. These things will not come to an end. There's going to be jobs to do, things to uh, do as we obey the Lord. It's not clear exactly all of those things, but it doesn't have to be, because the Lord makes it clear that that's how it will be. And now... Jesus is going to speak directly to those who've had an opportunity to read and study the book. And that really is our next little mini-section here, picking up in verse 6, if you would look there with me. And he said to me, now this is the angel who's been showing John this new Jerusalem and the vision of the eternal state. And what does he say first? These words are faithful and true. That's amazing, isn't it? And in a sense, this text is really a repeat of uh, chapter 1, verse 1. It's a repeat Uh, Chapter 3, verse 14, chapter 19, verse 11, uh, chapter 21, verse 5, and then here again, chapter 22, verse 6, repeated over and over. These are faithful and true words. It's a faithful and true God who gives them. It's all repeated over and over again. Marvelous thoughts. And uh, so when you read that, you know, when we read that in chapter 1, verse 1, that these are faithful and true things that uh, we are looking at, we were just starting. But as you finish now, as we're beginning to conclude the book, and you think about all the things that we've talked about, all the descriptions, you allow your mind to go back through the things we've discussed since chapter 1, verse 1, you know, uh, and you think about, you know, the seals and the trumpets and the bowls, and you think about the two witnesses, uh, you think about the destruction of the system of rebellion forever, uh, you think about um, the glorious appearing of Christ, the millennial reign of Christ, and all the things that, that were described there, the new Jerusalem, it's coming down, it's description. You think all of those things now, I think the first thing that pops into your mind is it's too good to be true, right? I mean, it's, it's just overwhelming. And I think that that's perhaps how John felt, that it is overwhelming. And so you say you believe it, but there are some unanswered questions. We'd like to know some more about the eternal state. 
what's going to be going on there, all of that. We don't really have the experience to help us understand the way things will be. And uh, so the first thing the angel says at the conclusion, these words are faithful and true. Everything that's been said, everything you understand to be true from this, uh, these scriptures, they are true. So if any questioner comes and, uh, you know, these disclosures are really too good to be true, we can't really uh, believe them, they must not be authentic, uh, let them now hear another confirmation, really, of the, of the reliability of that truth. It gives us assurance that although the things given to us seem too good to be true, they indeed are true. Now look at the rest of that verse, back there, verse 6. And he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bond servants the things which must soon take place. That's pretty neat. Let's back up. The God of the spirits of the prophets, or that's, that's the word for life, the word for breath, but the idea there has to do with their ministry, the things that they have told us all back through the Old Testament, all the way up into the New Testament, everything we've understood to be true about the eternal state and about the glory to come. That's the God who is the God of the spirits or the breath of the prophets sent his angel to show his bond servants. Uh, who is that? Well, his bond servants, those were the initial recipients of the letter. Remember when we saw the seven churches? They received the letter first. They got to hear all the things that were going on. And then to other churches and then right on down to Berean and everyone who comes after us. Uh, those words are for uh, the churches who read these things. And this, of course, um, everything that's been given to John these things must soon take place. And with this prophecy, the angel tells John, soon is the operative word. And I love uh, Chronicles of Narnia. I've read the books many, many times. Aslan says when he's asked us, uh, when he said something will soon occur, and one of the children says, well, when is soon? And he says, child, all th times are soon to me. Uh, and so when you think about that, it, it's not exactly like that. Uh, of course, it's soon, uh, all times are soon for the Lord, but the operative word for us is soon. And uh, every generation that's read this passage, every generation that's studied these words, uh, it's been sooner still for them than the one generation who came before. And it goes along with the, really the beginning of this verse. These words are faithful and true. Chapter 1, verse 1, these things must soon take place. In other words, be assured, these things are going to happen. And they are coming very quickly. Now look at verse 7, if you would. And behold, he says, I am coming quickly. And you can almost hear the words just kind of ring out. Not only are these things going to happen, but John, I'm coming quickly. And Jesus encourages John. And every saint looks forward to that day, don't they? We talked about that this morning. The, glorious, you know, the glory that's to come is connected with this uh, marvelous Lord and his coming. The soon coming without delay of the Lord Jesus Christ stated over and over. Uh, and here in verses 7 and verse 12 and verse 20, soon coming without delay. It really ties us neatly as you think about it, to the beginning uh, of this book, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, write these things down for the time is near. I'm coming quickly. And after all, this is the dominant theme of the book, the coming revelation of Jesus. Apart from this book, there are things we wouldn't know about Christ uh, that are told us just here. Uh, and so it's one of the great truths to, of all of Scripture that the Lord is coming. It's all through the Scriptures. And I want to skim some of my favorites and just let you kind of jot a few down that you like. But it's always been the theme that the Lord is coming. And remember as we think about this, that uh, as you work through the Old Testament, the first and second comings of Jesus are many times merged together in the Old Testament. And also, uh, you know, Jesus coming as a child, Jesus coming in his glorious appearing, and the Millennial Kingdom and the Eternal Kingdom many times are kind of blended together as the Old Testament prophets talked about it. 
And we live in a marvelous time because we have the New Testament. We have further revelation from the Lord that completed the uh, canon of Scripture, which help us open up and see these different advents of the Lord and so we can understand them more clearly. But as you look through, you still see the same theme. Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh, and that's the word for the one to whom it belongs, uh, comes and to him shall be obedience of the people. Always forward-looking, someone will come and set all things right. 1 Samuel chapter uh, 2, verse 10, Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king, and he will exalt the horn of his anointed. There's going to come a time when it won't be like it is. There's going to come a time when all things that are messed up like right now are all going to be straight, and the one his anointed will reign. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 16. And he saw there was no man and was astonished that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought salvation to him and his righteousness upheld him. And he put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle according to their deeds. So he will repay wrath to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the coastlands he will make recompense. There's going to be a time where things will be set straight. Always a coming of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8. Indeed, while following the way of your judgments, O Lord, we have waited for you eagerly. And we still can ring with that, can't we? We resonate with that. Your name, even your memory, is a desire of our souls. At night my soul longs for you. Indeed, my spirit within me seeks you diligently for when the earth experiences your judgments, the inhabitants of the world, what do they learn? Righteousness, right? When the Lord comes and judges the earth, the inhabitants of the earth learn righteousness. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10, Behold, the Lord will come with might, with His arm ruling for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His recompense before Him. It's a great words. Jeremiah 23.6 In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Talking about all the things that will occur as a result of the Lord's coming. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I kept looking in the night visions, Daniel said. We're soon going to study this book. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days. Isn't this great imagery? The Lord uh, Christ is coming to the Ancient of Days, God himself, and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. That's a great thought, isn't it? All the way through the scriptures, we kind of work on just hitting high points. There's so many more, hundreds and hundreds, but these are some of my favorites as you just think about the imagery there. Uh, I love that last part. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His influence is everlasting. His power everlasting. It's not going to pass away. His kingdom is not one which will be destroyed. All kingdoms come and go. This kingdom will exist forever. How about Malachi chapter 3, verse 1? Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. 
Verse 2, But who can endure the day of His coming? And who can stand when He appears? For He's like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. Uh, He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and He'll purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Always a Lord coming. Always one who's going to set it right. Always coming in righteousness to set things right and to make those who are on earth dwell in righteousness. Malachi 4.2 But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. Malachi 4.2 James 5.8 You too be patient, strengthen your heart. For what? The coming of the Lord is when? Near. We live with that expectation, don't we? And we should, very well should, as we look and we see the world around us and all the things that are happening and the way the Lord is arranging things and giving us warnings about what financial systems will look like and what rulers will look like and what the Middle East needs to look like. And we we start to get ready, don't we? We live with that uh, understanding. The coming of the Lord is near. How about Jude 15? To execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. It's all going to be set straight. His name's not going to be demeaned anymore. People will know who he is. Revelation 1 7. We read this a number of months ago. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, John says what? Amen. Even though that's how it's going to be, even though there's going to be some judgment, even though people who pierced him are going to see him, even though he's going to, it's going to, it's, it has some bitterness to it because it involves people, even so, that's our joy, right? We're always looking forward to the coming of the Lord. It is what we long for, and this is what Revelation talks about. Now, back to Revelation 22.7. Let's look back there. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. And again, we're kind of it's like bookends at the beginning of this letter and the end of this letter, right? We remember reading that before. Blessedness is promised to those who treasure and preserve, and very important because of its application of the former two, live in light of this prophetic book. Blessed are they who do that, who understand that these things are true, who understand that uh, much of this book sits out in the future for us and we live accordingly and we arrange our lives and do like we saw in 1 Peter this morning. Verse 8. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. You kind of see John just kind of you know, validating, hey, you know me. We were together, you know, Jesus was here, we interacted with one another. And when I heard and I saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. This is not the first time John has done that and not the first time he said this and he makes a similar mistake again. Remember from Revelation chapter 1 verse 9, John once again, he connects with the readers because they're, they're looking at this, he has a marvelous vision, John is, be able to, is going to be able to communicate this. Uh, first John, John, uh, Revelation 1.9 says, I, John, your brother, fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus. Remember me, John says. Uh, you know, we, we were together. I understand and you understand me. I understand you. I was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. 
because of what he was doing, what he was saying. It was banned uh, there. Verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. Once again, John just kind of says, look, you know me and this is what happened. And John's statement here just adds to the reliability of the book. Uh, much the way uh, as we read through, and not everyone as you read in the scriptures comes out smelling like a rose, as my wife was pointing out earlier. You read through these mistakes. They didn't understand he was going to be crucified and rise again. They didn't listen. And the scripture records that for us, just as it records those who were faithful and do, did what they're supposed to do. So John just basically says, hey, I witnessed this. I heard this. I saw this. And then I did a stupid thing again. You know, I blew this again. I worshiped the angel Almost the same context, in fact. Uh, listen to the situation back in Revelation 19.9. Remember this? Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So John hears that uh, in his ears back in chapter 19. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. And blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper. You can just hear John thinking, I'm one of those who's invited. I mean, it's a long time after my death, but I'm still invited to this marriage supper. And then I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, Don't do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The angel speaking these things to John uh, as being reliable, and they are God's words, and John worships the angel. And then he gets a similar response here. And he does almost the same thing, different angel. Look at verse 9, Revelation 22. He said to me, so John falls down and uh, he, he worships the angel. He blows it. He falls down at his feet. And the angel says, different angel, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. And who could that be? That's you guys. That's us, right? I'm a fellow servant of yours. Don't worship me. Worship God. Now look at verse 10. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Now, that's interesting, and we're going to get into this as we study the book of Daniel, but in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, we hear the opposite uh, told to Daniel. Daniel 12, 4, But as for you, Daniel, as, as the Lord is revealing these things to Daniel through an angel tutor, he says, conceal these words and seal up, or you can read there, preserve them for a time far off until the end of time. Uh, many... He says, we'll go back and forth and knowledge will increase. And Daniel's time was far off. He said, that's still a long ways from you, Daniel. Preserve these words, seal them up in this, uh, in this uh, scroll so that people will be able to read them far, uh, far down the road from you. But here, what does he say to John? He says, the time is near. That's verse 10. Don't seal them up, John. Make sure everybody's reading them. Make sure it gets out. The time is near. Verse 11, Revelation 22, 11. Let the one who does wrong do, still do wrong, and the one who is filthy still be filthy, and let, he, uh, let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Now, this obviously is not an invitation to pursue ungodliness, is it? So if it's not that, then what do we have here? Well, actually, if you think about it, there are more exhortations to godliness in the text than the reverse. The passage really states uh, that character you know, trends tend to become fixed. They tend to become unchangeable. And the common saying, of course, you've heard repeated over and over again, sow a thought, reap an act, sow an act, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a character, sow a character, reap a destiny. And just the simple idea there, the general observation for this verse is just this. As one is found on that day, 
so will they be eternally. Death or the coming of the Lord fixes the character and the eternal destiny of someone forever. There's not going to be any do-overs after that. It is fixed. So Jesus' return is imminent, and here he's likely speaking of his glorious appearing. Why is that? Well, because we know that after the rapture, people are going to come to know Christ as their Savior. So obviously he's not speaking of the time of the tribulation, is he? Because during that time, people will come to faith. So he's obviously speaking of this glorious appearing of Christ. When the glorious appearing of Christ comes, whatever our, uh, our condition was at that time, is the condition, whatever condition of the individual at that time, is the condition they will be forever. And so you look back at it, the one who does wrong, if you're doing that at the glorious appearing of Christ, you will do, do wrong still. The one who is filthy, still be filthy. Let the one who is righteous, still practice righteousness. The one who is holy, still keep himself holy. Just an idea that uh, once that time comes, that's it. It's fixed. But when he comes in glory, every eye will see him, the nations will mourn, and it will be too late in that glorious appearing of Christ. In a similar vein of thought, those who wait until after the rapture uh, to kind of prove to me this must be right might also fall prey, the scripture says, to a strong delusion. And then we have this really firm warning, which we'll close with tonight. We're out of time. 2 Thessalonians 1.7 As the Lord comes to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. What time of, what time of coming is that? What, what would that be equivalent to? It's the glorious appearing of Christ. Christ is going to come. Uh, he is going to deal out retribution. These are judgment phrases, so the Lord is appearing. This is not the rapture text. This is texts that deal with the glorious appearing of Christ. Rapture texts don't deal with judgment. These texts, glorious appearing of Christ, texts deal with judgment. So here, he's going to come to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well. When the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. What's he going to do? Verse 8 dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And those are parallel terms. You don't know God, you don't obey the gospel. Verse 9, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So, as believers are looking forward to that wonderful time when they will be uh, taken away, be with the glory of, uh, of the Lord forever, when they're going to be glorified, that time we talked about, the hope we hold out as we think about that, a marvelous thought that we go uh, the opposite way, the ones who have rejected the Lord, uh, those will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Verse 10, when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed, for our testimony to you was believed, verse 11. To this end also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our Lord and the Lord Jesus Christ. Marvelous thoughts as we think about the Lord the, 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 uh, uh, in the word continually, this theme of the Lord coming. This idea that when he comes in glory, that whatever a person is doing at that time, glorious appearing, that time will be fixed. First Thessalonians 5, 9, for God has not destined us, what? For wrath. He's not destined you for wrath, beloved. Did you know that? He doesn't desire for anyone to be uh, under his wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together 
with him. That's marvelous thoughts, isn't it? And so these are the encouragements, these are the uh, warnings, these are the instructions to those who read the book. Next time, Lord willing, we will finish the book. Uh, some warnings. I just called it an offer you shouldn't refuse. Even at the end of the book, it continues to encourage those who read it to come. And so we'll close tonight. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer as we rejoice in the things that we know. And today really has been a full day for me. As it's been a joy to go through the scriptures with you and talk about uh, out of uh, Romans chapter 8 and then hear this glory, this hope that we have and uh, this marvelous appearing of the Lord, the eternal state where beyond our imagination, uh, beyond our ability to understand, uh, awaits all the things that happen uh, when you're in God's presence and all the riches that are true and, and uh, for those who are inheritance uh, with Christ. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you today for a time to be together uh, as a church, for the fellowship of the saints, uh, for the joy of encouragement and for admonition and instruction. And Father, I pray that you'll just uh, multiply this word in our own heart. Help us to be like those who hear and do and live by the light of the things we understand here. For you said twice in this book to, to study the book, to understand the book, to put it to work and practice in our own life, to live in light, to prioritize our life in light of what we understand here is blessing. And so we're blessed already as we've begun to study and work our way through. And we'll continue to be blessed as we live this way. Lord, motivate us to all the things that you've told us to do, the simple instructions you've given us uh, at your departure back to heaven. Uh, and Lord, we look forward to a time when we will uh, be raptured to be with you and there to forever be with you. And in the meantime, help us to be found faithful. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen.